Hello and welcome to the Star Wars Saga Cast. My name is John Wilson and this is episode 28 of the show. We're only taking a look at Star Wars issue number 23 from Marvel Comics. That issue came out in February of 1979. And this same month, over in the United Kingdom, they published issues 53 and 54 of Star Wars Weekly. Now, issue 52 had caught them up to the end of the story that we're going to be talking about this episode. So they were, you know, they got this month's issue a little bit ahead of the U.S., However, with the next two issues, 53 and 54, they can't publish Star Wars 24 because they've already done that. They published that story out of order, which means they had to publish issue 25, which now puts them two months ahead of the U.S. releases. So what is their solution? Well, for right now, they decide to take a month off because they're out of material. So we only get two issues of Star Wars Weekly this month at the beginning of the month, and then we'll come back in March with more publications then. So they're trying to figure out what to do over there with their reprints, and it's a problem that part of the solution of which we're going to see in just three more episodes. Okay, so let's look at Marvel Star Wars 23. We don't have our pizzazz coverage because that book has ended. Left us on a bit of a cliffhanger, which has me all kinds of sad because I don't know what's going to happen to Luke and Leia down in that kingdom of ice. But in the meantime, we do have a great issue ahead of us today. Star Wars 23 has on its cover the Millennium Falcon blasting away from the wheel. And in the background across the space field is the floaty's head of Darth Vader. He's holding his lightsaber shouting, you've escaped the wheel, rebels, but now you must face the wrath of of Darth Vader. And the caption at the bottom is Flight into Fury. This is an excellent cover. Love it. I could put this on a poster. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there exists a state of cosmic civil war. A brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny and oppression of the awesome galactic empire. This is their story. Stanley presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all, continuing the saga begun in the film by George Lucas, released by 20th Century Fox. Writer and editor is Archie Goodwin. Artists are Carmine Infantino and Bob Biacek. John Costanza is our letterer. Carl Gafford, a new name, is our colorist. And Jim Shooter is the consulting editor. This issue is entitled Flight into Fury, and our opening page splash has some sort of ship. Let's see, this is Docking Bay 10, not 94, Docking Bay 10 of the man-made monument to the galaxy's love of gambling, the Wheel. Here, the private space yacht of Simon Grayshade is being readied for launch, or more correctly, escape. So this ship here that's in front of the open spaceport is his personal yacht. And if I remember right, Luke and Leia and our droid friends are all on board. That's it. Main reactor is fully primed. And on the back end of the ship, Luke Skywalker is walking down a ramp, getting yelled at by one of the security people. All right, rebel, take your droid and get out of here before I forget the administrator's deal with that princess you follow around. And remember that you blasted a couple of my fellow security guards. 
So we have recap and vengeance in the same breath. Awesome. Of course, Luke doesn't really have a whole lot of happiness to go with that. So he roughs up the uh, guy who's yelling at him, grabs him by the collar. Shut up. I've just seen a good friend die. And I'm about to lose the girl I... The, the girl I... I just want to run into Taji Station because of power converters. <laughs> I know, he doesn't really shout that, but but he can't bring himself to say what he wants to say about the girl that he... What? I don't know. He just says, just shut up. And the wheel security guard obeys. Because he knows that Luke Skywalker is not someone to mess with. Now, if you don't remember, the reason that Luke Skywalker is so upset is because he saw Chewbacca shoot Han Solo full in the chest at the end of last issue, broadcast live from the Wheels Zero Gravity Gladiatorial Arena. The space smuggler's Wookiee first mate was forced to be the executioner. And that, of course, upset Leia, and she decided that rather than see any more of her friends killed, she would go off to be the Senator Grayshade's, I guess, wife or something. Partner in journeying through life. Nothing good, in any case. And Luke has stormed off as a result. But Leia catches up to him. Luke, there's still time to say goodbye. Whatever you feel about my decision, it's time we may never have again. And Luke turns around, takes her in his arms. The embrace is clumsy, and the kiss is awkward. But there is a kiss. This is like the fifth or sixth one between them that we've seen, which means that Luke and Leia, they're a... They're getting something going. And if this is happening this early on after the film, then why were they so awkward in Splinter of the Mind's Eye? But I know the answer is because that story was written so much earlier, but that's okay. Meanwhile, back in the arena's simulated space field, the Wookiee was kind of crying about having to shoot his friend. But there's one more combatant who's been hiding and waiting until he could get a certain kill. There's only one other combatant left, the Wookiee, and so he sneaks up behind him just a little closer, but Chewbacca spins around with a rock and blasts the alien, the bat-shaped alien, with a zdak. <laughs> but even though Chewbacca is laughing, Han Solo speaks up. Okay, okay, stop gloating, champ. I'm the one who signaled you to turn and fire. Now remember, as big winner, you can afford to come on temperamental. What you're going to be most temperamental about is that no one but you handles the body of your late lamented pal. Oh, okay. So Han Soto is still playing dead. He's talking to Chewbacca, but he's still laying in the air like motionless. What he did was he stuck the reflector shield that each one of them is armed with, stuck it in his shirt. And so whenever he was shot in the chest, it didn't actually hurt him. That's great. Meanwhile, Imperial Commander Strom, who had been drugged by the administrator last issue, is coming back to consciousness. He stumbles out to the casinos and declares that the space station is now under martial law. All Imperial personnel on leave report to me at once. No one else will be permitted to depart the wheel until order is restored. You see, Strom's had years of immunity programming, which have enabled him to fight off the sleep drug that was meant to hold him for hours. So he's very happy with himself right now. He gives orders to his troopers to find Administrator Grayshade and the rebels from the Millennium Falcon and kill them on sight. 
the gamblers aren't too happy with being under martial law from the Empire because the Empire is not supposed to interfere with the wheel. However, this has been the goal the entire time to get the wheel under Empire control. So Strom's not losing any sleep over it. He just needs to take care of Grayshade and the Rebels permanently. And the steps for that move quickly because once Grayshade is ready to take off, he sends a signal to his Mastercom robot to open up the shield so that he can leave. Also to allow departure for Luke Skywalker. But Mastercom can't exactly comply with his orders because Grayshade's authority as administrator has been rescinded. As the wheel's master computer, I am obliged to obey the new authorities. As one who feels friendship for the man who gave him humanoid form, I will attempt to at least open your docking bay's magnetic field before... Master Calm is blasted to bits by the troopers who are standing there right next to him, listening to him saying how he's going to try to disobey. And we get some more droid racism. Awesome. One of the troopers mutters, obscene. A machine believing it felt friendship for an organic? At least we cut it down before it could aid that traitor Grayshade. And the troopers order a search and destroy squad sent down to Docking Bay 10 to find Luke. And sure enough, Luke Skywalker and C-3PO find themselves attacked by stormtroopers. Back to the bay. If Grayshade hasn't gotten Leia away yet, they're going to need help. Oh dear, not another battle. I don't believe my perceptory circuits are up to it. And the thought of poor R2-D2 lost in this madness. Yeah, what's up with R2-D2? Haven't seen him in a while. I thought he was on the ship with Leia, but I was wrong. He was with Luke and Leia and C-3PO last issue because he was helping record the loot that was in the fake rebel ship that had supposedly been taken in a raid that was part of all of Strom's plots. So there is evidence inside R2-D2 that's important. So where is R2-D2 anyway? Well, it looks like he has found refuge in a circuitry conduit. And when he exits that conduit to go and deliver his tape, someone is waiting. We don't see who. Meanwhile, the wild swirl of events on the wheel reaches out even further to touch a bereaved champion bent on conducting a fallen comrade to their ship. With Chewbacca being the champion and the fake dead Han Solo, his fallen comrade, but when they get to stormtroopers blocking their way, Brork, Han Solo jumps off the bed. Come on, guys. Whatever happened to respect for the dead? Grab those troopers' weapons, Chewie. It's last stand time. And there's shooting back and forth. And there's hiding behind stuff. And there's action and blasters. But we don't get to see all that because we have to go to the last stand being taken by Senator Grayshade. Luke Skywalker and 3PO arrive to help him. I've sealed the corridor entrance, Grayshade, but that won't keep the Imperials out for long. If one of those guards of yours hadn't fled. Senator Grayshade is amazed that he's still alive, but all further efforts at escape are interrupted whenever Luke gets a feeling that he hasn't had. No, not him. Not now. And at this exact instant, on the edge of the star system where the wheel turns, one of the Empire's mighty battlecruisers drops out of hyperspace. Okay, so our story has come full circle. We began with Luke Skywalker in meditation, having an unexpected contact in the Force that sent him into a fear trance where he had to struggle to regain control of his senses. On the other side of that contact was Darth Vader, who is so surprised to sense somebody else out there in the Force that he has been on a search ever since then to find who that person was. And that search has brought him to the wheel. 
Commander Strom's troops have rebels trapped aboard the wheel, sir, and... And one of them is whom I seek. Even at this distance, I can feel it. Proceed slowly. Monitor every inch of that station, Captain Vermis. Though the power seems mostly latent, the force is with our prey. Such a person might well elude Strom and take flight from the wheel, but I shall be waiting for them. He is standing off there, being so evil and menacing and ready to take over. Back on the wheel, we see the person that R2-D2 ran into, and it's another Master Calm robot. Because he was shot and blasted to pieces, but Master Calm is not actually the droid. Master Calm is the master computer of the station. He has lots of droid bodies he can use as avatars. And so another one of those avatars has run into R2-D2. He helps R2-D2 over to a broadcast relay where he can broadcast the tape to the entire station. And the results are instantly felt throughout the wheel. Every communicator screen in every casino flashes the sight and sound of treachery. What in the galaxy? Wheel guards raiding the Imperial Commander's ship. But listen to what they're saying. Look at those strong boxes. It's the wheel prophet Strom reported that the rebels pirated. The Empire's been making those attacks and claiming it was the Alliance. And the end result of all these pieces coming together in the gambler's eyes is resentment which bubbles into rage and explodes into riot. The wheel has always been a sanctuary, a safety valve for an oppressed galaxy to let off steam. To find it violated and tampered with sends its thousands of frustrated pleasure and thrill seekers wildly rampaging. And in the rampage, a lot of stormtroopers are taken out of Han Solo and Chewbacca's hair, which makes our smuggler friends that much happier. Let that be a lesson, big buddy. Never let a gambler find out the game's been rigged. Chewbacca and Han have all the strong boxes on an anti-grav transport of some sort, headed to the Falcon so they can load them up and then help Luke and her royalness. So they have their priorities definitely in the right place. Whenever they get to the docking bay, however, with the Millennium Falcon, they run into another Imperial Welcoming Committee. More stormtroopers. Narg! What do you mean, you know what to do? So do I. Get the blazes out of here. But Chewie actually has a different idea to Han Solo. He switches the cargo floater to full power and pushes Han and himself off of it as it careens forward and knocks all the troopers down like bowling pins. Back with our other friends, Luke and Leia and Senator Grey Shade are having quite the firefight because Imperial stormtroopers have blown the door and are storming in. Because, you know, they're stormtroopers, so they storm. And uh, Luke says that Leia and Grey Shade should board the ship and fly off while Luke holds their fire and keeps them from throwing grenades at him. And Grey Shade's response is, Skywalker, how can I ever win over the princess with the likes of you and Solo constantly throwing away your lives for her? Get aboard. Rather than compete with such disgusting nobility, I'll stay behind. Besides, I've gained something from all this foolishness that an unscrupulous man like me normally never has. A friend. Master Calm. Aw, how sweet. Master Calm now has a human friend. And he hears it over the loudspeakers and he says, Hear that, R2-D2? Now we both have human friends. Tatoot! He puts R2-D2 in an escape pod, launches him out towards the space yacht, which is flying away with 3PO, Luke, and Leia aboard. 
They're a bit sad to be leaving Han behind and dead. But what I want to know is why aren't they sad that they left Chewbacca behind? They're flying off. They think they're totally okay. Luke is there. Leia's there. 3PO's there. They don't have R2-D2 or Chewbacca. So I don't know why they're okay with getting away. But I guess you take what you can get whenever you're fighting for your life. Begging your pardon, sir, but Master Calm is making a last communication. He reports there's reason to believe Captain Solo is still alive. And also that we have a most important pickup to make. So everybody's happy now. There are cheers. But back on the station, Grayshade and his newfound friend have a final standoff with Commander Strom. Strom pulls a blaster on Grayshade and Mastercom. Grayshade's pretty badly injured from all the shooting. And so he pulls out a proton grenade that he's been holding as a last resort. He throws it at Commander Strom, but those things aren't meant for close range. And the blast ends up injuring apparently fatally, both Mastercom and Senator Grayshade. Smoke closes in on the two figures, obscuring them, and a long quiet, the aftermath of battle, settles over the entire wheel. But in space, as one ordeal ends with the recovery of R2-D2's escape pod, a new one, swiftly and awesomely, begins. As they fly their yacht away from the station, they look out to sea, an Imperial cruiser. They must have shut down all the systems and coasted in while we were taking on the pod. The bay's opening, Luke. We've got to trade it. We've got to evade its tractor beam. But not only does Luke have to evade the tractor beam, he's also very worried about the mind that is on that ship searching for his. Our prey is on that yacht of Hermes. I'm certain of it. But whoever it is has gotten past the fright felt the first time our aspects brushed. Now they resist my efforts. I'm going to need a face-to-face confrontation, Vermis. Don't fumble the opportunity. So Darth Vader is all kinds of eager to see who this Force person is. Who has he been sensing on the other side of the Force? But before they can reel in the ship, Bacow! Han Solo and Chewbacca shoot them with the Millennium Falcon. Score one for justice, Chewie, and for shaking the pants off anyone on that cruiser bridge trying to operate a tractor beam. He has fired right on the beam. Han's alive. Chewie's with him in the ship, even though no one on Luke's and Leia's ship is happy to see Chewie. I'm just amazed that not a single person is saying, yay, Chewie. They're all, yay, Han, you're alive. It's a miracle. But no words for our furry friend. <laughs> it's just anti-Jubaka day. It's like, no one loves our Wookiee. Okay, we'll have to get past that, though. But even though it's all happiness outside, Darth Vader recognizes the ship and is determined to destroy it at any cost. It's the smuggling ship that blasted my TIE fighter and ended my defense of the Death Star. And so things are bad. The cruiser abandons Luke's and Leia's yacht completely and heads for the Falcon. And for a moment, Luke doesn't speak. The force fills his thoughts. He cries out rage and frustration. Rage at regaining a friend thought dead, only to see him about to be slain again by the Imperials. And frustration at having a vast power and not knowing how to save Han with it. But channels have been opened here, opened by a dark lord probing with the force. 
opened, but forgotten because now Darth Vader wants to defeat the Millennium Falcon. So Luke's raging feelings like lightning carry along a wire from one place it has struck to another and blast into Darth Vader's unprotected mind. The pain is brief, but intense, and it allows our friends ships to jump away. He still doesn't know their identities. They've eluded him, but only for now. And as they head out, Luke realizes that his life is going to get harder and he's going to have to master this force because where Darth Vader's concerned, it may not be enough tomorrow. And next issue, an untold tale of Obi-Wan Kenobi in the days of the Old Republic, Silent Drifting. This is going to be issue 24 that was printed out of order in the Star Wars Weekly comic. So we'll be taking a look at that next time. Before we go, though, let's take a look at Star Words, the letters column for the issue. The first one is from Bob McKenzie. Bob didn't like the cover of Star Wars 19 that had the picture of the wheel with the big red skull in the middle of it, but he is enjoying the story, even if he thinks he's finding it a bit predictable. Of course, he says that the nurse who's taking care of the unconscious Luke Skywalker is going to fall madly in love with him. He did guess correctly that Han Solo was going to end up fighting Chewbacca in the arena, and he also guessed that the Dark Lord of the Sith was going to come involved, but he suspected he was going to be on board Commander Strom's cruiser, and that was not correct. The next letter writer is Bill Seligman, who wants to offer up an explanation of why Luke could swim in Splinter of the Mind's Eye, but not in the comics whenever it was reversed for Leia. He suggests that Leia wasn't actually swimming that well in the comics, and that because of the events of the water world of Drexel, Luke was uh, then taught himself how to swim or got swimming lessons or something. So in the time between the Marvel comics and Splinter of the Mind's Eye, Luke learns how to swim, and Leia has just never been that good at it and confessed that to Luke in the book. And S. Lee Marine writes also with basically the same explanation. So evidently there was some discussion in previous letters columns that I did not have copies of to uh, debate the merits of Splinter of the Mind's Eye versus the comics. And people are saying that the comics are right and trying to incorporate Splinter into that storyline. So I think that's as it should be. I much prefer this comic story over the Splinter story anyway. So I'm glad that other fans are taking that route as well. Now, that does bring us to the end of our episode, but I do want to remind you that a feedback episode is coming up soon, episode 30. So do please write in with your emails and your thoughts about the stories I'm covering or the episodes themselves. And I'll be looking forward to reading those when we get there. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to send emails, I'll read emails on the air in special email episodes. You can send those to the Star Wars Saga Cast at gmail.com. If you just happen across this episode somewhere randomly, more episodes will be found at the Star Wars Saga Cast.com or on iTunes under the Star Wars Saga Cast. So thank you very much for listening, and until next time, my name is John Wilson. Thank you very much for listening to the Star Wars Saga Cast, and good night.